the life of St. Mary of Egypt. It is good to hide the secret of a king, but it is glorious to reveal and preach the works of God. So said the archangel Raphael to Tobit when he performed the wonderful healing of his blindness. Actually, not to keep the secret of a king is perilous and a terrible risk, but to be silent about the works of God is a great loss for the soul. And I, says St. Sophronius, in writing the life of St. Mary of Egypt, am afraid to hide the works of God by silence. Remembering the misfortunes threatened to thy servant who hid his God-given talent in the earth, I am bound to pass on the holy account that has reached me. And let no one think that I have had the audacity to write untruth or doubt this great marvel. May I never lie about holy things. If there do happen to be people who, after reading this record, do not believe it, may the Lord have mercy on them. Reflecting on the weaknesses of human nature, they consider impossible those wonderful things accomplished by holy people. But now we must begin to tell this most amazing story which has taken place in our generation. There was an elder in one of the monasteries of Palestine, a priest of the holy life and speech, who from childhood had been brought up in monastic ways and customs. This elder's name was Zosima. He had, been given, he had been through the whole course of ascetic life, and in everything he adhered to the rule once given by him by his tutors as regarding the spiritual labors. He had also a good deal himself whilst laboring to subject his flesh to the will of the Spirit. He had not failed in his aim. Zosima was so renowned for his spiritual life that many came to him from neighboring monasteries and even from afar. While doing all this, he never ceased to study the divine scriptures, whether resting, standing, working, or eating food, if the scraps that he nibbled could be called food, he incessantly and constantly had a single aim, always to sing of God and to practice the teaching of the divine scriptures. Zosima used to relate how as soon as he was taken from his mother's breast, he was handed over to the monastery where he went through his training as an ascetic till he reached the age of 53. After that, he began to be tormented, whilst the thought that he was perfect in everything and needed no instruction from anyone, he would say to himself mentally, is there a monk on earth who can be of use to me and show me the kind of asceticism that I have not yet already accomplished? Is there a man to be found in the desert who has surpassed me? Suddenly an angel appeared to him and said, Zosima, valiantly have you struggled as far as this is within the power of man. Valiantly you have gone through the ascetic course, but there is no man who has attained perfection. Before you lie unknown, before you lie unknown struggles greater than those that you have already accomplished, that you may know how many other ways lead to salvation. Leave your native land like the renowned patriarch Abraham and go to the monastery by the river Jordan. Zosima did as he was told. He left the monastery in which he had lived from childhood and went to the river Jordan. At last he reached the community to which God had sent him. Having knocked down at the door of the monastery, he told the monk who was the porter who he was, and the porter told the abbot. On being admitted to the abbot's presence, Zosime made the usual monastic prostration and prayer. Seeing that he was a monk, the abbot asked, Where do you come from, brother, and why have you come to us poor old men? Zosima replied, There is no need to speak about where I have come from, but I have come, Father, seeking spiritual profit, for I have heard great things about your skill in leading souls to God. Brother, the abbot said to him, 
Only God can heal the infirmity of the soul. May he teach you and us his divine ways and guide us. But as it is the love of Christ that has moved you to visit us poor old men, then stay with us, if that is why you have come. May the good shepherd who laid down his life for our salvation fill us all with the grace of the Holy Spirit. After this, Zosima bowed to the abbot, asked for his prayers and blessing, and stayed in the monastery. There he saw elders proficient both in action and in the contemplation of God, aflame in the spirit and working for the Lord. They sang incessantly. They stood in prayer all night. Work was always in their hands and psalms on their lips. Never an idle word was among them. They knew nothing about acquiring temporal goods or the cares of life. They had one desire, to become in body like corpses. Their constant food was the word of God, and they sustained their bodies on bread and water as much as their love for God allowed them. Seeing this, Zosima was greatly edified and prepared for the struggle that lay before him. Many days passed, and the time drew near when Christians fast and prepared themselves to worship the divine passion and resurrection of Christ. The monastery gates were kept locked and only opened when one of the community was sent out on some errand. It was a desert place, not only unvisited by people of the world, but even unknown to them. And there was a rule at the monastery, which was the reason why God brought Zosima there. At the beginning of the great fast on Forgiveness Sunday, the priests celebrated the Holy Liturgy, and all of them partook of the Holy Body and Blood of Christ. And after the liturgy, they went up to the refectory and would eat a little Lenten food. Then all gathered in the church, and after praying earnestly with prostrations, the elders kissed one another and asked for forgiveness. Each made a prostration to the abbot and asked his blessing and prayers for the struggle that lay before them. After this, the gates of the monastery were thrown open and singing, The Lord is my light and my Savior, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defender of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And the rest of that psalm, all of them went out into the desert and crossed the river Jordan. Only one or two of the brothers were left in the monastery, not to guard the property, for there was nothing to rob, but so as to not leave the church without divine service. Each took with them as much as he could or wanted in the way of food, according to the needs of his body. One would take a little bread, another some figs, another dates or wheat soaked in water. Some of them took nothing but their own body covered with rags and fed when nature forced them to it on the plants that grew in the desert. After crossing the Jordan, they all scattered far and wide in different directions. This was the rule of life that they had and which they all observed, neither to talk to one another nor to know how each one lived and fasted. If they did happen to catch sight of one another, they went to another part of the country, living alone and always singing to God, and at a definite time eating a very small quantity of food. In this way, the monks spent the whole of the fast and used to return to the monastery a week before the resurrection of Christ on Palm Sunday. Each one returned having his own conscience, having his own conscience as a witness of his labor. No one asked another how he had spent his time in the desert. Such were the rules of the monastery. Every one of them, whilst in the desert, struggled with himself before the judge of the struggle, God, not seeking to please men and fast before the eyes of all. For what is done for the sake of men to win praise and honor is not only useless to the one who does it, but it is sometimes the cause of great punishment. Zosima did the same as all. He went far into the desert with a secret hope to finding some father 
who might be living there and who might be able to satisfy his thirst and his longing. He wandered on tirelessly, as if hurrying on to some definite place. He had already walked for 20 days, and when the sixth hour came, he stopped, and turning to the east, he began to sing the sixth hour and recite the customary prayers. And as he was reading the Psalms, without turning his eyes from the heavens, he suddenly saw to the right of the hill on which he stood the semblance of a human body. At first he was confused, thinking he beheld a vision of the devil and even started with fear. But having guarded himself with the sign of the cross and banished all fear, he turned his gaze in that direction and in truth saw a form gliding southwards. It was naked, the skin dark as if burned up by the heat of the sun, the hair on its head was white as a fleece and not long falling just below its neck. Zosima was so overjoyed at beholding a human form that he ran after it in pursuit, but the form fled from him, and he followed. At length, when he was near enough to be heard, he shouted, Why do you run from an old man and a sinner? Slave of the true God, wait for me. Whoever you are, in God's name I tell you, for the love of God for whose sake you are living in the desert. The human form replied, Forgive me for God's sake, but I cannot turn towards you and show you my face, Abazosima, for I am a woman and naked, as you see, with the uncovered shame of my body. But if you would like to fulfill one wish of a sinful woman, throw me your cloak so that I could cover my body and can turn to ask for your blessing. Here terror seized Zosima, for he had heard that she had called him by name. He realized that she could not have done so without knowing anything of him if she had not the power of spiritual insight. He at once did as he was asked. He took off his old tattered cloak and threw it to her, turning away as he did so. She picked it up and was able to cover at least a part of her body. And then she turned to Zosima and said, Why do you wish, Abba Zosima, to see a sinful woman? Why do you wish to hear or learn from me? You have not shrunk from such great struggles. Zosima threw himself on the ground and asked for her blessing. She likewise bowed down before him, and thus they lay on the ground prostrate, asking each other's blessing. And one word alone could be here from them both, Bless me, bless me. After a long while, the woman said to Zosima, Abba Zosima, it is you who must give me a blessing and pray. You are dignified by the order of the priesthood, and for many years you have been standing before the holy altar and offering the sacrifice of the divine mysteries. This flung Zosima into an even greater terror. At length, with tears, he said to her, O mother, filled with the Spirit, by your mode of life, it is evident that you live with God and have died to the world. The grace granted to you is apparent, for you have called me by name and recognized that I am a priest, though you have never seen me before. Grace is recognized not by one's orders, but by the gifts of the Spirit. So give me your blessing for God's sake, for I need your prayers. Then giving way before the wish of the elder, the woman said, Blessed is God who cares for the salvation of men and their souls. And Zosima answered, Amen, and both of them rose to their feet. Then the woman asked the elder, Why have you come, man of God, to me who am so sinful? Why do you wish to see a woman naked and devoid of every virtue? Though I know one thing, the grace of the Holy Spirit has brought you to render me a service in time. Tell me, Father, how are the Christian peoples living and the kings? How is the church guided? Zosima said, By your prayers, Mother, Christ has granted lasting peace to all. 
but fulfill the unworthy petition of an old man and pray for the whole world and for me who am a sinner so that my wanderings in the desert might not be fruitless. She answered, you are a priest, Abba Zosima. It is you who must pray for me and for all, for this is your calling. But as we must all be obedient, I will gladly do what you ask. And with these words, she turned to the east and raised her eyes to heaven and stretching out her hands, she began to pray in a whisper. One could not hear separate words so that Zosima could not understand anything that she said in her prayers. Meanwhile, he stood according to his own word, all in a flutter, looking down at the ground without saying a word. And then he swore, calling God to witness, that when at length he thought that her prayer was very long, he took his eyes off of the ground and saw that she was raised about a forearm's distance from the ground and stood praying in the air. When he saw this, even greater terror seized him, and he fell on the ground weeping and repeating many times, Lord, have mercy. While laying prostrate on the ground, he was tempted by a thought. Is it not a spirit, or perhaps her prayer, her prayer is hypocrisy? But at the very same moment, the woman turned around, raised the elder from the ground, and said, Thoughts tempting you about me trouble you, Father, telling you that I am a spirit and that my prayer is feigned. Know, Holy Father, that I am only a sinful woman, though I am guarded by, my holy, by holy baptism, and I am no spirit but earth and ashes and flesh alone. With these words, she guarded herself with the sign of the cross on her forehead, eyes, mouth, and breast, saying, May God defend us from the evil one and from his designs, for fierce is his struggle against us. Hearing and seeing this, the elder fell to the ground, and embracing her feet, he said with tears, I beg you by the name of Christ our God, who was born of a virgin, for whose sake you have stripped yourself, for whose sake you have exhausted your flesh, do not hide from your slave who you are, and how you came into this desert. Tell me everything so that the marvelous works of God may become known. A hidden wisdom and a secret treasure, what profit is there in them? Tell me all, I implore you, for not out of vanity or self-display will you speak, but to reveal the truth to me, an unworthy sinner. I believe in God for whom you live and whom you serve. I believe that he led me into this desert so as to show me his way in regard to you. It is not in your power to resist the plans of God. If it were not the will of God that you and your life would be known, he would not have allowed me to see you and would not have strengthened me to undertake this journey, one like me who never dared to leave his cell before. Much more, said Abba Zosima, but the woman raised him and said, I am ashamed, Abba, to speak to you of my disgraceful life. Forgive me for God's sake. But as you have already seen my naked body, I shall likewise lay bare before you my work, so that you may know with what shame and obscenity my soul is filled. I was not running away out of vanity, as you thought, for what have I to be proud of, I who was a chosen vessel of the devil? But when I start my story, you will run from me as from a snake, for your ears will not be able to bear the vileness of my actions. But I shall tell you without hiding anything, only imploring you first of all to pray incessantly for me so that I may find mercy on the day of judgment. And the elder wept as the woman began her story. My native land, Holy Father, was Egypt. Already during the lifetime of my parents, when I was 12 years old, I renounced their love and went to Alexandria. 
I am ashamed to recall how there I at first ruined my maidenhood and then unrestrainedly and insatiably gave myself up to sensuality. It is more becoming to speak of this briefly so that you may just know my passion and my lechery. For about 17 years, forgive me, I lived like that. I was like a fire of public debauchery, and it was not for the sake of gain. Here I speak pure truth. Often when they wished to pay me, I refused the money. I acted in this way so as to make as many men as possible to try and obtain me, doing free of charge whatever gave me pleasure. Do not think that I was rich, and that was the reason I did not take the money. I lived by begging, often by spinning flax, but I had an insatiable desire and an irrepressible passion for lying in filth. This was life to me. Every kind of abuse of nature I regarded as life. This is how I lived. Then one summer I saw a crowd of Libyans and Egyptians running towards the sea, and I asked one of them, where are these men running to? And he replied, they are going to Jerusalem for the exaltation of the precious and life-giving cross, which takes place in a few days. I said to him, will they take me if I wish to go? No one will hinder you, he said, if you have the money to pay for the journey and for food. And then I said to him, to tell you the truth, I have no money, neither have I any food. But I shall go with them, and I shall go aboard, and they shall feed me whether they want to or not. I have a body, and they shall take it for pay instead of... It, and they shall take it instead of pay for the journey. And I was suddenly filled with a desire to go, Father, to have more lovers who could satisfy my passion. I told you, Father Zosima, not to force me to tell you of my disgrace. God is my witness. I am afraid of defiling you with the very air of the words. Zosima, weeping, replied to her, Speak on, for God's sake, mother. Speak on and do not break the thread of such an edifying tale. And resuming her story, she went on. That youth, on hearing my shameless words, laughed and went off. And while I, throwing away my spinning wheel, ran off towards the sea in the direction which everyone seemed to be going. Seeing some young men standing on the shore, about ten or more of them, filled with vigor and alert in their movements, I decided that they would do for my purpose. It seemed that some of them were waiting for more travelers, whilst others had already gone ashore. Shamelessly, as usual, I mixed in with the crowd, saying, Take me with you to the place where you are going. You will not find me superfluous. I also added a few more words, calling forth general laughter. Seeing my readiness to be shameless, they readily took me aboard the boat. Those who were expected came also, and we set sail as once, at once. How shall I relate to you what happened after this? What tongue can tell whose ears can take in all, of the, all that took place on the boat during that voyage? To all this, I frequently forced those miserable youths, even against their own will. There is no mentionable or unmentionable depravity of which I was not their teacher. I am amazed, Abba, how the sea stood our licentiousness, how the earth did not open its jaws, and how it was that hell did not swallow me alive when I entangled in my net so many souls. But I think God was seeking my repentance, for he does not desire the death of a sinner, but magnanimously awaits his return to him. At last we arrived in Jerusalem, and I spent the days before the festival in town living the same kind of life, perhaps even worse. 
I was not content with the youths that I had seduced at sea and who had helped me to get to Jerusalem. Many others, citizens of the town, foreigners, I also seduced. The holy day of the exaltation of the cross dawned while I was still flying about hunting for youths. At daybreak, I saw that everyone was hurrying to the church, and so I ran with the rest. And when the hour of the holy elevation approached, I was trying to make my way in with the crowd, which was struggling to get in through the church doors. I had squeezed at last, though with great difficulty, almost to the entrance of the temple from which the life-giving tree of the cross was being shown to the people. But when I trod on the doorstep to which everyone passed, I was stopped by some force which prevented my entering. Meanwhile, I was brushed aside by the crowd and found myself standing alone in the porch. Thinking this had happened because of my woman's weakness, I again began to work my way into the crowd, trying to elbow myself forward, but in vain I struggled. Again, my feet trod on the doorstep over which others were entering the church without encountering any obstacle. I alone seemed to remain unaccepted by the church. It was as if there was a detachment of soldiers standing there to oppose my entrance. Once again, I was excluded by the same mighty force, and again I stood in the porch. Having repeated my attempt three or four times, at last I felt exhausted and had no more strength to push or to be pushed, and so I went and stood in the corner of the porch. And only then, with great difficulty, it began to dawn on me, and I began to understand the reason why I was prevented from being admitted to see the life-giving cross. The word of salvation gently touched the eyes of my heart and revealed to me that it was my unclean life which barred the entrance to me. I began to weep and lament and beat my breast and to sigh from the depths of my heart. And so I stood weeping when I saw above me an icon of the most holy mother of God. Not taking my eyes off of her, I said, O lady, mother of God, who gave us birth in the flesh to God the Word, I know, oh, how well I know, that it is no honor or praise to thee when one so impure and depraved as I look upon thy icon, O ever-virgin, who does keep thy body and soul in purity. Rightly do I inspire hatred and disgust before thy virginal purity, but I have heard that God, who was born of thee, became man on purpose to call sinners to repentance. Help me, for I have no other help. Order the entrance of the church to be open to me. Allow me to see the venerable tree on which he who was born of thee suffered in the flesh and on which he shed his holy blood for the redemption of sinners and for me, unworthy as I am. Be my faithful witness before thy son that I will never again defile my body by the impurity of fornication. But as soon as I have seen the tree of the cross, I will renounce the world and its temptations and will go wherefore thou wilt lead me. Thus I spoke, and as if acquiring some hope in firm faith and feeling some confidence in the mercy of the Mother of God, I left the place where I stood praying. I went again, and I mingled with the crowd that was pushing its way into the temple, and no one seemed to thwart me, no one hindering my entering the church. I was possessed with trembling and was almost in delirium. Having gotten as far as the doors which I before could not reach, as if the same force which hindered me cleared the way for me, I now entered without difficulty and found myself within the holy place. I saw the life-giving cross. 
I saw to the mysteries of God and how the Lord accepts repentance. Throwing myself onto the ground, I worshiped the holy earth and kissed it with trembling. I came out of the church and went to her who had promised to be my security, to the place where I had sealed my vow, and bending my knees before the Virgin Mother of God, I addressed her with these words. O loving lady, thou hast shown me thy great love of all men. Glory to God who receives the repentance of sinners through thee. What more can I recollect or say, I who am so sinful? It is time for me, O lady, to fulfill my vow according to thy witness. Now lead me by the hand along the path of repentance. At these words, I heard a voice from on high cry out, If you cross the Jordan, you will find glorious rest. Hearing this voice and having faith that it was for me, I cried to the mother of God, O lady, do not forsake me. And with these words, I left the porch of the church and set off on my journey. As I was leaving the church, a stranger glanced at me and gave me three coins, saying, Sister, take these. And taking the money, I, brought three, I bought three loaves and took them, on me, took them with me on my journey as a blessed gift. I asked the person who sold the bread, which is the way to Jordan? And I was directed to the city gate, which led that way. Running on, I passed the gates, still weeping, and I went on my journey. Those I met, I asked the way, and after walking for the rest of the day, I believe it was nine o'clock when I saw the cross. I at length reached at sunset the church of St. John the Baptist, which stood on the banks of the Jordan. After praying in the temple, I went down to the Jordan and rinsed my face and hands in its holy waters. I partook of the holy and life-giving mysteries in the church of the forerunner and ate half of one of my loaves. Then, after drinking some water from the Jordan, I lay down and passed the night on the ground. In the morning, I found a small boat and crossed to the opposite bank. I again prayed to Our Lady to lead me whither she wished. Then I found myself in this desert, and since then, up to this very day, I am estranged from all, keeping away from people and running away from everyone. I live here clinging to my God, who saves all who turn to him with faint-heartedness and storms. Zosima asked her, how many years have gone by since you began to live in this desert? She replied, 47 years have already gone by, I think, since I last left that holy city. Zosima asked, but what food do you find? And the woman said, I had two and a half loaves when I crossed the Jordan. Soon they dried up and became hard as rock. Eating a little, I gradually finished them after a few years. Zosima asked, can it be that without getting ill, you have lived so many years thus without suffering in any way from such a complete change? The woman answered, You remind me, Zosima, of what I dare not speak of. For when I recall all of the dangers which I overcame and all of the violent thoughts which confused me, I am again afraid that they will take possession of me. Zosima said, Do not hide anything from me. Speak to me without concealing anything. She said to him, Believe me, Abba, seventeen years I passed in this desert fighting wild beasts, mad desires and passions. When I was about to partake of food, I used to begin to regret the meat and the fish with which I had so much of in Egypt. I regretted also not having wine, which I loved so much, for I drank a lot of wine when I lived in the world, while here I had not even water. I used to burn and succumb with thirst. The mad desire for prophetic songs had entered me and confused me greatly. 
edging me to sing satanic songs which with, with which I had once learned. But when such desires entered me, I struck myself on the breast and reminded myself of the vow which I had made when going into the desert. In my thoughts, I returned to the icon of the Mother of God which had received me, and to her I cried in prayer. I implored her to chase away the thoughts to which my miserable soul was succumbing. And after weeping for long and beating my breast, I used to see light which seemed to shine on me from everywhere. And after the violent storm, lasting calm descended. And how shall I tell you, O Abba, of the thoughts that pushed me towards lust once more? A fire was kindled in my miserable heart which seemed to burn me up completely and to wake, awaken in me a thirst for embraces. As soon as this craving came to me, I flung myself to the earth and watered it with my tears, as if I saw before me my witness, who had appeared to me in my disobedience, and who seemed to threaten punishment for the crime. I did not rise from the ground. Sometimes I lay prostrate for a day and a half, until a calm and sweet light descended and enlightened me, and chased away the thoughts that possessed me. Always I turned to the eyes. Of, I turned the eyes of my mind to my protectress, asking her to extend help to one who was sinking fast in the waves of the desert. I always had her as my helper and the acceptor of my repentance, and thus I lived for seventeen years amid constant dangers. Since then, even till now, the Mother of God helps me in everything and leads me as if it were by the hand. Zosima asked. Can it be that you did not need food and clothing? And she answered, After finishing the loaves I had, of which I spoke, for seventeen years I have fed on herbs and all that can be found in the desert. The clothes I had when I crossed the Jordan became torn and worn out. I suffered greatly from the cold and greatly from the extreme heat. At times the sun burned me up, and at other times I shivered from the frost, and frequently falling to the ground, I lay without breath and without motion. I struggled with many afflictions and with terrible temptations, but from that time till now, the power of God in numerous ways has guarded my sinful soul and my humble body. When I only reflect on the evils from which our Lord has delivered me, I have the imperishable food of hope for salvation. I am fed and clothed by the all-powerful word of God, the Lord of all, for it is not by bread alone that man lives, those who have stripped off the rags of sin have no refuge, hiding themselves in the clefts of the rocks. Having heard these cited words from scriptures, from Moses and from Job, Zosima asked her, And so you have read the Psalms and other books? She smiled at this and said to the elder, Believe me, I have not seen a human face ever since I crossed the Jordan except for yours today. I have not seen a beast or a living being ever since I came into the desert. I have never learned from books. I have, never I have never even heard anyone who sang or read from them, but the word of God, which is alive and active by itself, teaches a man knowledge. This is the end of my tale, but I asked you in the beginning, so even now I implore you for the sake of the incarnate word of God to pray to the Lord for me who am such a sinner. Thus concluding her tale, she bowed down before him, and with tears the elder exclaimed, Blessed is God who creates the great and wondrous, the glorious and marvelous without end. Blessed is God who has shown me how he rewards those who fear him. Truly, O Lord, thou dost not forsake those who seek thee. 
And the woman, not allowing the elder to bow down before her, said, I beg you, Holy Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, tell no one of what you have heard until God delivers me of this earth. Now depart in peace, and again next year you shall see me and I you, if God will preserve us in his great mercy. For God's sake, do as I ask you. Next year during Lent, do not cross the Jordan, as is your custom in the monastery. Zosima was amazed to hear that she knew the rules of the monastery and could only say glory to God who bestows great gifts on those who love him. She continued, Remain, Abba, in the monastery, and even if you wish to depart, you will not be able to do so. And at sunset on the holy day of the Last Supper, put some of the life-giving body and blood of Christ into a holy vessel worthy to hold such mysteries for me and bring it, and wait for me on the banks of the Jordan, adjoining the inhabited parts of the land so that I can come and partake of the life-giving gifts. For since the time I communed in the temple of the forerunner before crossing the Jordan, even to this day, I have not approached the holy mysteries. I thirst for them with irrepressible love and longing. Therefore, I ask and implore you to grant me my wish. Bring me the life-giving mysteries at the very hour when our Lord made his disciples partake of his divine supper. Tell John, the abbot of the monastery where you live, look to yourself and to your brothers, for there is much that needs correction. Only do not say this, but when God guides you, pray for me. With these words, she vanished in the depths of the desert, Zosima falling down on his knees and bowing down to the ground on which she, which she stood, gave, stood up and gave glory and thanks to God. And after wandering throughout the desert, he returned to the monastery on the day when all of the other brothers returned. For the whole year, Zosima kept silent, not daring to tell anyone of what he had seen. To himself, he prayed God to show him again the face that he desired. He tormented himself and worried himself to pieces, imagining how long a year is and wanting, if possible, that the year be shortened into one single day. When at length the first Sunday of the great fast came, all went out into the desert with the customary prayers and the singing of the psalms. Only Zosima was held back by illness. He lay in a fever. He then remembered what the saint had said to him, and even if you wish to depart, you will not be able to do so. Many days passed, and at last, recovering from his illness, he remained in the monastery. When the monks returned, and the day of the Last Supper dawned, he did as he had been ordered, placing some of the most pure body and blood into a small chalice. After putting some dates and lentils soaked in water into a small basket, he departed for the desert and reached the banks of the Jordan and sat down to wait for the saint. He waited for a long while and then began to doubt. Then raising his eyes to heaven, he began to pray, Grant me, O Lord, to behold that which thou hast allowed me to behold once. Do not let me depart in vain, being the burden of my sins. And then another thought struck Zosima. And what if she does come? There is no boat. How will she cross the Jordan to come to me who am so unworthy? And as he pondered these things, he saw the holy woman appear and stand on the other side of the river. Zosima got up rejoicing and glorifying and thanking God, but again the thought came to him that she could not cross the Jordan. Then he saw that she made the sign of the cross over the waters of the Jordan, 
for the night was a moonlit one, as he related afterwards. And then she at once stepped onto the waters and began walking towards the surface, towards him. When he wanted to prostrate himself, she cried out to him while still walking on the water, What are you doing, Abba? You are the priest carrying the divine gifts. He obeyed her on reaching the shore, and she said to him, Bless, Father, bless me. And he answered her trembling, for a state of confusion had overcome him at the sight of the miracle. Truly God did not lie when he promised that when we purify ourselves, we shall be just like him. Glory to thee, Christ our God, who has shown me through this thy slave how far I stand from perfection. Here the woman asked him to say the creed in the Our Father, and he began and she finished the prayer. And according to the custom at that time, she gave him the kiss of peace on the lips. Having partaken of the holy mysteries, she raised her hands to heaven and sighed with tears in her eyes, exclaiming, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Then she said to the elder, Forgive me, Abba, for asking you, but fulfill another wish of mine. Go now to the monastery and let God's grace guard you. Next year, come again to this very place where I first met you, Come, for God's sake, for you shall again see me, for such is the will of God. He said to her, From this day on, I would like to follow you and always see your holy face. But now fulfill the one and only wish of an old man and take a little food which I have brought for you. Zosima showed her the basket while she just touched the lentils with the tips of her fingers. And taking three grains, she said that the Holy Spirit guards the substance of the soul unpolluted. And then she said, pray for God's sake, pray for me, and remember a miserable wretch. Touching the saint's feet and asking for her prayers for the church, the kingdom, and himself, he let her depart with tears. And while he went off sighing and sorrowful, for he could not hope to vanquish the invincible. Meanwhile, she again made the sign of the cross over the Jordan and stepped onto the waters and crossed over as before. And the elder returned, filled with joy and terror, accusing himself of not having asked the saint her name, but he decided to do so on the next year. When another year had passed, Zosima again went into the desert. He reached the same spot, but could not see a sign of anyone. So raising his eyes to heaven as before, he prayed, Show me, O Lord, thy pure treasure, which thou hast concealed in the desert. Show me, I pray thee, the angel in the flesh, of which the world is not worthy. Then on the opposite bank of the river, her face turned towards the rising sun, and Zosima saw the saint lying dead. Her hands were crossed according to the custom, and her face was turning to the east. Running up, he shed tears over the saint's feet and kissed them, not daring to touch anything else. For a long time he wept, then reciting the appointed psalms, he said the burial prayers and thought to himself, Must I bury the body of a saint, or will this be contrary to her wishes? Zosima then saw the words traced on the ground above her head, which said, Abba Zosima, bury on this spot the body of humble Mary. Return to dust which is dust, and pray to the Lord for me, who departed in the month of Pharamotin of Egypt, called April by the Romans on the first day and on the very night of our Lord's Passion after taking partaken of the divine mysteries. Reading this, the elder was glad to know the saint's name. 
He understood, too, that as soon as she had partaken of the divine mysteries on the shore of the Jordan, she was at once transported to this very place where she died. The distance which Zosima had taken 20 days to cover, Mary had evidently traversed in an hour and had at once surrendered her soul to God. Then Zosima thought, it is time to do as she wished, but how am I to dig this grave with nothing but my hands? He then saw nearby a small piece of wood left by some traveler in the desert, and picking it up, he began to dig the ground, but the earth was hard and dry and did not yield to the efforts of the elder. He grew tired and covered with sweat. He sighed from the depths of his soul, and lifting up his eyes, he saw a big lion standing close to the saint's body and licking her feet. At the sight of the lion, he trembled with fear, especially when he called to mind Mary's words that she had never seen wild beasts in the desert. But guarding himself at the sign of the cross, the thought came to him that the power of the one lying there would protect him and keep him unharmed. Meanwhile, the lion drew nearer to him, expressing affection by every movement. And Zosima said to the lion, the great one ordered that her body was to be buried, but I am old and have not the strength to dig the grave, for I have no spade, and it would take me too long to go and to get one. So can you carry out the work with your claws? Then we could commit to the earth the mortal temple of this saint. While he was still speaking, the lion with his front paws began to dig a hole deep enough to bury the body. Again, the elder washed the feet of the saint with tears and calling on her to pray for all, covered the body with earth in the presence of the lion. It was as it had been, naked and uncovered by anything but the tattered cloak which had been given to her by Zosima and with which Mary, turning away, had managed to cover part of her body. They both departed. The lion went off to the depth of the desert like a lamb while Zosima returned to the monastery, glorifying and blessing Christ our Lord. On reaching the monastery, he told all of the brothers about everything and all marveled on hearing of God's miracles. With fear and love, they kept the memory of the saint. Abbot John, as St. Mary had previously told Abba Zosimus, found a number of things wrong in the monastery and got rid of all of them with God's help. And St. Zosima died in the same monastery, almost attaining the age of a hundred and passed to eternal life. The monks kept this story without writing it down and passed it on by word of mouth to one another. But I, adds Sophronius, as soon as I heard it, wrote it down. Perhaps someone better, better informed, has already written the life of the saint, but as far as I could, I have recorded everything, putting truth above all else. May God, who works amazing miracles and generously bestows gifts on those who turn to him with faith, reward those who seek light for themselves in this story, who hear, read, and are zealous to write it. May he grant them the lot of Blessed Mary, together with all who at different times have pleased God by their pious thoughts and labors. And let us also give glory to God, the Eternal King, that he may grant to us his mercy in the day of judgment, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom belongs all glory, honor, dominion, and adoration, with the Eternal Father, and the most holy good and life-giving Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen.